You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. Your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State athletic news. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Uh, hanging in there. Um, you know, now that we're back down into a complete lockdown again, so to speak, for COVID. Uh, the state of California is reeling right now as everything has been put into shelter in place once again. And so how, how are you dealing with it, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate myself. Um, hasn't hit home too close, but it's definitely impacted things. Definitely did not have the Thanksgiving get-togethers that we're used to having. And sounds like uh, all the holidays coming up, Christmas and everything on my end is not going to be nearly the same. So that's a bummer, but I'm trying to keep safe. And uh, it does sound like even though things are, are closing down, in a lot of ways that it hasn't impacted Fresno state sports for some reason, which it did definitely the first time around. So um, it sounds like they are going to keep operating, but it's definitely been a different time. How about yourself? Lucia? Oh, it's uh, it's been a little bit crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little stir crazy myself, you know, when, when you start to get locked down, um, especially for someone like me who works from home uh, already. Um, so it kind of, uh, it, it kind of, ratches it up a little bit more when you're stuck at home not being able to go anywhere for, for you know unless you need to go to the store or anything like that so it's it's really it's really been uh, testing us uh, mentally <laughs> so to speak <laughs> uh, but at least we've been able to kind of uh, get some of the sports uh, start watching some of that again uh, but this last game Fresno State uh, not the prettiest game to look at Jackson Um there was quite a bit going on. There was quite a bit of players missing uh, for the Bulldogs, especially on special teams. And why don't you break it break it down for us a little bit? Why was there so many players missing? Do you have any insight on what happened there? Yeah, it's kind of um, reading between the lines in a lot of ways because the coaches and the program are not really allowed to say who might have COVID-19, who might be contact traced. And then there are players that legitimately have injuries. So you get to a point where you can't really confirm who's who, what what happened to who, and it gets really uh, complicated for coaches to try to clarify, and especially some of the cases that they can't. But it seems very clear to me that the special teams particularly had some sort of contact tracing issue. Uh, they didn't specify any positive COVID tests uh, within that group, but uh, I mean, clearly it's, I mean, there's no coincidence that you have three kickers that don't make the trip, three long snappers that don't make the trip, and one of your two punters. There's something. I mean, the only other thing would be discipline, and I assume they would have clarified that if that was the case. So, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of different ways um, that they can define contact tracing. The first time around, it was uh, when the Bulldogs had their games canceled against San Jose State. And San Diego State, it was very clear and reported that wasn't reported who, but uh, one player had come uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen, and uh, a significant number of the players around them, or whatever position group that was, uh, they were not able to play, and they were going to have to be quarantined for fourteen days. So that was kind of a clear cut case. Um, 
And but it does sound like at some point late during last week in preparation for the Nevada game, Coach DeBoer said uh, they only had one practice left when they found out that those kickers and, and punters and long snappers weren't going to go. So, uh, I mean, when the the way that special teams played is inexcusable, it was terrible. But uh, if you are informed about the situation, then you realize that the guys that were in there had one day of practice in their whole career <laughs> to prepare for this. I think you really have to cut the, the coaches some slack as to what happened. Uh, you had a long snapper in there that had not spent one day of practice at Fresno State trying to do that. You had a kicker who was a freshman wide receiver, had never kicked since reporting to Fresno State. Um, and then you had a backup punter that was really the only special teamer that was there and healthy and everything. And uh, he had never punted before in a college game. So it was just a, a mess, and there was really no fair way for them to prepare adequately. And they may be in a similar boat this week. We don't know for sure. It sounds like they are still having some issues, but they'll at least have a week to design some plays or, or some workarounds if they don't have some of their regular players. But that was just a total mess, and that cost Fresno State 14 points really early with the botched punt attempt and then the blocked punt attempt. Those were clearly procedural issues where the snapper wasn't getting the ball there in the right spot or, or quick enough and the puncher that uh, wasn't quite prepared for the, the looks that he got. And then those weren't the only players either, which is a little more confusing because you had two offensive linemen that were out, two defensive linemen that were out. Uh, safety Evan Williams was out. Uh, you had a couple of players just kind of here and there that didn't play. So, um, you know, when you get contact traced, it can be from someone outside of the program it can be through roommates uh, so there's a lot of different ways Fresno State can unfortunately lose players pretty quickly and even if they test negatively they're still under quarantine so uh, definitely they got hit with some sort of whirlwind during last week and it's rather remarkable that they kept the game so competitive in a lot of ways yeah definitely and this is this is one of those situations where it you know the the university is not really saying who who or why those players were missing uh, for, you know, well, we know who was missing, but we don't know the reason why those players were missing. Uh, university is not uh, sharing that information, but it's kind of kind of obvious, you know, when you're spending um, when you're spending two uh, two weeks of not actually uh, playing games because of contact tracing. And then all of a sudden you come to the next game and you've got most of your special teams, um, including your, all of your kickers and long snappers missing. Um, it, it's only kind of obvious to, to see that it had to do something with COVID at that time. And, and you're absolutely right. It was a hole that it, it put the Bulldogs in a hole early um, which they weren't able to recover from, but, you know, they stayed very competitive. Um, but, you know, having the special teams in there, had had the special teams been in in there at full force, they, there could have been a, a very different outcome in this game because they were so competitive. Um, but watching that, uh, you know, our quarterback had, you know, had a hell of a game. He had a career game, right, Jackson? I mean, throw, what was it, over 400 yards um, passing? I mean, it was it was kind of ridiculous to watch, but yet the Bulldogs still lost in this game. 
Yeah, and yeah, he was, again, not just special teams, but he's dealing with two starting offensive linemen that were out. And one of the replacements is a true freshman, Mose Favaro, who stepped in there at left guard. And then, of course, whenever you don't have your left tackle, Dante Bull couldn't go. That's always a huge killer. And it just seemed like Hainer was running on just about every snap, but he only got sacked twice, and he made a lot of tremendous plays with his legs to set up the pass. And you know, he was running around about just as much as he was against Hawaii in the season opener. But in that game, you saw him run into a lot of hits and to uh, obviously throw him a couple picks, and he had a strip sack. And that, those extended plays led to a lot of mistakes. And you saw in this game how he's pretty much eliminated that. He was able to not only avoid the pressure, but make big uh, passing plays after that. Um, but it just did seem like there was kind of a, a sense of anxiety across the team because you're on offense and you know, if we don't get a first down, if we get stops here deep in our own territory, we're going to have to punt and it may not go well. And then when you're on the other side of the field approaching the red zone and you're in scoring territory and kind of been determined now you're in four down territory, no matter what, um, you don't have a field goal game really to, to send out there. So it, it kind of threw off the vibe. I felt like, and they fought through it for a good three quarters or so, but uh, finally Nevada broke their backs. But uh, Fresno State, with, especially with Jake Hayner, and especially when Ronnie Rivers had to leave, it, it just felt like Hayner was carrying the offense. And uh, for them to snap over 100 times, he threw it over 60 times. And obviously you're going to put up yards when you get those opportunities, but he did make the most out of it, and he was very productive uh, with the chances they had. Just um, unfortunate scenarios where they've, Nevada was pretty much handed a few points, and the Bulldogs uh, were really put in a tough situation uh, on third and fourth down. Yeah, the Bulldogs were really uh, hurting there. Uh, you know, not being able to do anything. You know, you you get into a f- uh, you get into field goal range. All of a sudden, you can't kick a field goal. You have to go for it on fourth down, no matter what, because you don't have a kicker to kick it. And then same thing for for punting situations. You almost have to turn it into a four down territory because. Uh, the punter can't even get it past the line of scrimmage, uh, so it it really did become um, a very big handicap for the Bulldogs in that game. But like we said, they held on to uh, to this game all the way until the end. Um, but when Ronnie Rivers left the game, um, you could almost sense the the whole tide of the game completely change over uh, to the other side. Uh, you could tell that uh, the 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 air was let out of the balloon, so to speak, for the Bulldogs. Did you get that same sense when you when you saw that uh, that Ronnie Rivers left the game? Yeah, you just you could tell immediately the difference in the offense and how much they trust him to do just about anything and everything. And even in that game alone, up to that point, he'd already put up a pretty tremendous stats, both rushing and receiving. And Jordan Mims made some good plays, and we've seen a lot of him. Uh, in the over the course of his bulldog career, but uh, we haven't quite seen him be that every down back quite yet since coming off of injury. We maybe they don't necessarily want him playing all the kind of snaps that Rivers has played if he's not quite the hundred percent the way that he was at one time. So uh, it definitely changed things. It felt like Fresno State went especially pass heavy from that point on. And um, I mean, there's only so much you can do <laughs> unless you're designed to be that way. Like. We've seen the Hawaii teams of the past just throw the ball up just about every down. And um, Hayner fought through it and 
uh, he had a gutty performance and an impressive passing performance, but uh, it was just too much to overcome. And uh, it seemed like, especially after Rivers came out, it started to, to crumble pretty quick. The problem for Hayner is he spent most of this game running for his life. Um, he uh, <laughs> once once uh, once the other side uh, once um, Nevada figured out what was going on there, um, it, it was all out attack uh, on Hayner. Uh, and uh, poor guy, I mean, he did what he could do and was able to complete a lot of passes and, and get a lot of yards. But no one should have to be running for their life like that in a game. Um, but that's the way the game was uh, set up with all of uh, with all of the stuff that was happening in this one. Um, you know, do you have any more reports on Ronnie Rivers? Because I know he did not return back to the game. What's his status coming up for the upco- the last game of the season here? Yeah, the uh, encouraging thing was they showed him on the sidelines, and he was uh, you know just kind of standing there. It looked like he was not. Uh, severely injured. It was just a thing where, you know, maybe he probably couldn't plant or, or run just quite the way that he normally would. And even if you're Ronnie Rivers, if you're m- missing the half a step, then that changes your effectiveness pretty quickly. Um, the good news is we've heard that Coach DeBoer say on Monday they didn't think it was a season-ending deal even this late in the year. Uh, Coach Grubb said today that. Uh, Ronnie was at practice doing some workouts, so they are hopeful that he'll be back and. Even if it's not 100%, if they can have him for even a limited amount of snaps, that would go a long way in, in uh, keeping this offense as productive as it's been this year. Absolutely. It would be a, a big hit for the Bulldogs if Ronnie Rivers uh, would not return. So uh, hopefully <laughs> uh, he makes it through the week and doesn't get hurt at practice anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that is – it's – the. The way the Bulldogs played on defense, they did all right. Um, although they were they were struggling against uh, the one on one matchups with that tight end. However, I, I was watching some of the film. There was a lot of push offs happening there with that tight end, and a lot of them were left unchecked. There was a couple that the, the he got called for, but I, I feel that he was pushing off a lot. Did you see the same thing I was seeing there, Jackson? Yeah, I mean it's tough enough to try to defend a six foot six. 240 pound receiver who's also very athletic he was uh, previously just a receiver for them and they've moved him to tight end and he would still line up at receiver anyway this season and that's a tough matchup regardless especially if you're Braylon Lux I believe at one of those plays he's about 5'10 and then they're getting a push off (laughs) it's about near impossible to to stop that and then uh, Torrey Horton uh, the local from Fresno who caught three touchdowns for Nevada um He's got some size to him, a little bit, six one or so. And uh, I mean, he just made some incredible plays. There were some that were, I felt, well covered, and he still made the catch. So, um, I mean, even though the defense gave up 37 points, I mean, they've caught in some flack for that. But you have to remember, special teams basically handed Nevada a touchdown. They gave him another uh, possession in Fresno State territory that quickly went for a touchdown. Um, and then. Again, this is a secondary that was really not supposed to be very good this year. And the factor in the fact that Evan Williams, starting safety, who was a team captain, was not even in the lineup. I mean, there was a, a chance for this to be disastrous in the secondary. And, and they did give up some big plays and some touchdowns, but it was mostly well-covered one-on-one battles. Um, just you have to give credit to Nevada. 
they've got receivers that Fresno State hasn't seen that caliber of player this year. Um, same would have gone for San Jose State if the Bulldogs had played the Spartans. And really, even some of the other teams they've played have some receiver that would have been on paper good matchups against Fresno State with a preferred walk-on freshman at <laughs> cornerback. But I think the defensive staff does deserve some props for making the getting the most out of that group throughout the season. And I think Nevada was more of an indicator that uh, just kind of the guys Fresno State has, they're going to get beaten by top-end receivers, and there's not a whole lot they can do about it. And that they've done the best they can schematically to make up for that against more equal opponents. Now switching gears, now the Bulldogs are having lost to Nevada. They have put themselves in a bad position uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, granted, on the schedule, we're showing one more game. Um, uh, however, uh, you're kind of getting where there could be a possible addition to the to the season there, Jackson? Am I hearing this correctly? Yeah, so the Bulldogs are officially eliminated from playing in the conference championship game on December 19th. That's going to be some combination of uh, Boise State versus uh, San Jose State or Nevada. The Spartans and Wolfpack play this week, and um, that should pretty much decide who gets in. There's some odd scenarios that can play out, but that's probably what's going to happen, and so Fresno State knows they're out. And that was um, something that was visible when Fresno State first canceled those two games last month was that San Diego State already had two conference losses and Fresno State knew that a loss to Nevada would knock them out and you could probably play Fresno State-San Diego State on the 19th and make that game up. Obviously, it wouldn't mean anything to the standings, uh, but it would be a way to reschedule that game and get another game in. Um, you could have Fresno State versus San Jose State if the Spartans lose this week. They will probably be wanting to play that weekend. And, uh, you know, Fresno State, if you can host a game, that would certainly be nice to make up for missing two out of the four. So I think that's probably the most likely scenario um, is if there's another game, it would probably be one of those two teams. Um, if there's a Pac-12 team that's open, those games have been canceled usually one or two just about every week the Bulldogs could try to pursue a game there uh, San Diego State played Colorado uh, the week that they were supposed to play the Bulldogs so that's a possibility and uh, Coach DeBoer advocated Monday for the Bulldogs to keep playing if they can um, it's just a, it's a weird scenario because um, like the Pac-12 for example they're going to have their conference championship that same weekend but the other 10 teams are all going to play because the season's so short. They're going to all get a game in. and uh, Especially for the Mountain West, right now they're down to only three bowl games. Uh, and if you're Fresno State, you're probably not in one of those three right now. Um, the Los Angeles Bowl was canceled this week. Uh, the Hawaii Bowl was canceled uh, a couple months back, I believe already it's been. And that took the Mountain West down from five guaranteed bowls to three. And you assume Boise State, Nevada, and San Jose State are going to get those. Uh, the Bulldogs have the Frisco Bowl, where they, or the Mountain West has the Frisco Bowl, where the conference is one of four affiliates, where the Bulldogs could maybe get an extra in. Um, but then you still have San Diego State, who feels that they have deserve a bowl. You have Air Force, who, uh, even though they started off rough, is now about in that mix record-wise with Fresno State and San Diego State. So. Um, and then you can have bowls that continue to get canceled between now and the next 10 days when they're supposed to start. So 
Uh, there's a lot of possibilities, but it sounds like the most likely scenario is that Fresno State plays one of their rivals in Bulldog Stadium that they missed out on last month. And I think that's probably what's going to happen as long as uh, things don't get too catastrophic to so where they decide it's just not worth it to health-wise to even attempt it. Yeah, granted, all of this it is all moot if uh, the Bulldogs do not win this next week. Uh, because in order for them to have an argument to actually even play another game, um, I think the Bulldogs are going to need to win uh, in order to say, hey, we have a winning record um, and we deserve to have you know an extra game or two to decide whether or not uh, we have a spot in one of those bowl games um, just to make up the difference of the games that they lost. Are you getting that sense that this week's game is going to be very important for the Bulldogs in order for that to happen. Yeah, definitely for a bowl game. I mean, if they've dropped this one, you can pretty much count that out. Any outside chance, it already looks pretty slim, but that would probably be the case. And you know, even if the Bulldogs play that extra game, that I think that'll probably be it. Just uh, Some of the Mountain West bowl games are pretty close in proximity of time to that December 19th weekend. and um, I mean, and then there's not a lot of bulls go around still. So, uh, if if they play again after this week, uh, I would imagine that's probably the finale, regardless of bull scenarios. And um, yeah, I think that's probably the likely case. And, and they, I think they'd probably just try to get that game in, even if the Bulldogs lose this week, because it is again, it would be a Mountain West game that doesn't really mean anything in the standings, but is one that. Coaches on both sides would love to have the extra week of practice and game experience in the shortened season to, to get that in. So that seems to be the mentality from the coaches, at least. We'll see administration-wise if it all makes sense. Now, going into this next game, the game uh, Bulldogs will be facing New Mexico. And this is a New Mexico team that we have mentioned in other podcasts don't let the record fool you. Uh, even though they're coming into this game 1-5, they seem like they're a pretty good team. They just had a lot of bad luck uh, this season so far as far as their schedule is concerned, uh, uh, as their, their standings. And they're going to they're gonna give the Bulldogs all that they can handle in this matchup. Am, am I off on that one, Jackson? I know we've mentioned this. Can, is New Mexico going to be one of those teams that's going to come in here and just be a, give the Bulldogs a, a, you know, all that they can handle? I mean, they even come off of a win against Wyoming, which was pretty surprising last weekend. It was a close one. It was 17-16, but, uh, I mean, Wyoming is, I mean, they gave it to Hawaii earlier this year, and um, they certainly ran it up on UNLV just the week before that. So, um, I mean, that's a team that is certainly adequate, and um, you would think would be a pretty even matchup, perhaps, if Fresno State were to play them, and New Mexico just got that victory. Um, I watched their game at Hawaii. I thought they were on track to win that one. Uh, the Rainbow Warriors ended up storming back and, and winning that one. Um, they went to San Jose State earlier in the year when we didn't know the Spartans were what they have turned into be, and that game was tied 21-21 in the third quarter. Uh, more recently, I mean, the, that, what makes the Wyoming one kind of surprising is they had some rather ugly performances uh, against Utah State. They lost by two touchdowns against a team that. Um, we saw firsthand with Fresno State really <laughs> won that game pretty easily. And then they lost 28-0 to Air Force. Both of those games were on the road, but still. 
Um, the Lobos showed they bounced back. Uh, it's been a hectic season for them. If you don't know, they've spent the entire season uh, since game started in Las Vegas. And uh, that's been home for them. And they've only had two home games in Las Vegas. And so it's going to be uh, a weird scenario, even for Fresno State to travel to there to play this one in Sam Boyd Stadium. But uh, the Lobos seem to have settled in there in their uh, <laughs> pop-up home. And um, they've got some, I mean, they've got a good quarterback if he can play. Uh, Tavaka Tuioti. Um, last week, actually, they were really <laughs> down on the quarterback position. And they were down, I think, their last walk-on, a freshman that led them to the win in the end. Um, so that's kind of where Fresno State's at. They're looking at New Mexico, thinking who's going to be healthy and who's going to be eligible because they have similar questions over there. But um, it's it's also, if you don't know, Rocky Long, who was the head coach of San Diego State all these years and made them a defensive powerhouse, is their defensive coordinator at New Mexico. And uh, so if you're going to have a tricky defensive scheme, they may not have the greatest players, but schematically they're going to cause you trouble. And offensively, last week, they went run heavy. Um, if they have their quarterback healthy, they will spread it out, and they'll try to pass it too. So, I mean, they, they are pretty well-rounded, but it, again, it's just overall, it's not quite the talent that you're going to see in most other Mountain West teams. Um, so they do have enough to, to bite you, but if Fresno State plays their A game or their B game, they should get out of here with a win, but it's not guaranteed by any means. <laughs> yeah, A game or B game. But the problem is, is without the special teams, I don't know how much more oh, yeah. game they can have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it adds another dimension to the whole thing when you've got a special teams that's missing uh, all their starters. <laughs> so, um, in other words, uh, Fresno State's going to have to score on every possession and um, pretty much stop New Mexico. Uh, on a lot of their possessions, so it's uh, in order to keep uh, in order to keep from punting or from trying to kick field goals. This is going to be one of those interesting games just to see how the dogs are able to uh, schematically match up against New Mexico, uh, just so that they don't have to use their punter or their place kicker. <laughs> so um, I don't know. Do the Bulldogs have enough in the tank in order to? to try and make that happen, Jackson. I mean, that's a tall order, not being able to use uh, your punter or your kicker. So you're pretty much coming into this game realizing uh, we're not going to use them uh, no matter what. <laughs> so what do you do in that situation? Uh, I mean, how do, how do you recover from something like that, this, uh, especially after watching last week's game? Yeah, um, it's definitely going to be challenging for the Bulldogs. Uh, the one good thing is that they'll have a week to prepare. As mentioned earlier, it sounded like with Nevada, sometime between Wednesday or Thursday, I mean, they got one practice and then they get on the bus and they find out that none of their special teamers are going to begin to go. Uh, at least this week, they should have some sort of contingency plan or something schemed some way, somehow, to make sure they can get those plays off. Uh, Coach Grubb did mention today that Asa Fuller, uh, should be good to go, even though they might have some other special teams absences still. Um, so at least the Bulldogs should have someone to handle kickoffs. Fuller hasn't kicked a field goal since uh, 2018, I don't think, but it's much better than having a freshman wide receiver give it a shot. Um, so there may be some Bulldogs in play, but it's definitely going to be a case where you want that group out there as little as possible. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. 
And, and I have a feeling that if I were watching practice right now, that there's open tryouts for anybody on the team for place <laughs> kicker and, and, and punter, <laughs> just to see if anybody emerges from, from the weeds there. Uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun and interesting to watch to see if, uh, what the Bulldogs come up with. Uh, maybe there's going to be a lot of fake punts, you know, knowing full well, that they're not going to be able to kick the ball. Might as well fake it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what else? Uh, you know, it couldn't hurt. <laughs> um, maybe even a, a fake field goal. I mean, at this point, they need to do what they need to do in order to get the maximum amount of points uh, in order to try and, you know, get that last game in the, of the season in and, and and maybe in the, the record books as a win. Um, but this makes it all interesting for everyone on the Bulldog team because – as we mentioned in previous podcasts, basically this year does not count for these players. Um, but the question is, how many of them would actually return for another season? Uh, is is that even a possibility for a lot of these guys? Or are some of these guys just going to move on after this year? Yeah, you know, there's still a lot of dominoes to fall for this, this whole scenario to play out. And uh, first, you have seniors who can come back that you may have guys that are already graduate students right now that have put in five years they may frankly just not want to come back for a sixth year that's a, a sentiment i've gotten from some players not specific to fresno state but i, I cover a couple other teams and i've tried to uh, ask that question around and that's kind of been the general feedback i've gotten from a lot of players um that that might be if they play as well as possible their fifth year they'll just either move on with their lives or try to go pro, which might be a situation for Ronnie Rivers. He had such a fantastic year. Uh, there's not a whole lot for him to prove at Fresno State. I certainly wouldn't blame him for trying to pursue the next level, even though he has another year to come back. Um, you also have a situation where uh, players might be suggested to still look elsewhere to use their eligibility. I mean, if you have seniors that didn't play a whole lot this year and you're adding more players to the roster then perhaps maybe they look to go elsewhere maybe drop a, a level as a graduate transfer to get some playing time in with their last year uh, and then you also have to balance the numbers because um, Fresno State is on the verge of signing day and it looks like they're going to take about 15 signatures um, if everyone comes back that bumps up Fresno State from 85 to 100 scholarships and that's not gonna. It's not gonna work out that way. There's just, even though it may be allowed, um, you're talking about 15 extra scholarships that are gonna have to be paid for, and precedent for all the other sports on campus to do the same. And with tough times right now, I don't see that being an option financially. So they are probably gonna be uh, over what they would normally be, but it can't be that extreme. And so there's gonna have to be a way to to balance things out. You're gonna see a lot of recruits come in. Uh, most of the Bulldog players just starting wherever they were. Jalen Cropper, he'll be a sophomore again next year, but that kind of thing. But um, some players are, are going to have to depart, even though no one technically has to. And so there's, there's still a lot of dominoes to fall. And another thing to watch for is that uh, early next year, they are looking at the one-time transfer uh, without having to sit out, which would totally change college sports. And um that is a potential and Fresno state is looking at the possibility of seeing some guys head out if that's the case. So a lot of things are going to have to work themselves out and it's 
frustrating that we're so close to signing day and we still don't know answers on a lot of this stuff, but it is going to make for a very uh, interesting offseason, no doubt. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how they're going to handle that. You know, you've got Jalen Carpy, like you said, coming back next year, so he'd essentially be a sophomore again. I wonder what they're going to call him, uh, you know, sophomore by COVID. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, you've got redshirt sophomore, COVID sophomore. I don't know. Uh, they're they're going to have to probably put a little asterisk next to that and, and indicate why. Um, but this is this is going to be an interesting uh, interesting development coming here in the next week. Like you say, we've got uh, signing day coming up next week, and Jackson and I are going to have a full coverage on that signing day when when things start to materialize. But again, there's going to be a lot of unknowns happening because you're going to have essentially an influx of players. And then you've got other players who may want to return for another season because they have the ability to. At that point, does it become a decision for the coaching staff to say yes or no that you can return uh, depending on who signs this upcoming week? Do you think the the coaches would even entertain that to, to tell a player, no, you can't come back? You know, it sounds harsh, but I think, Unfortunately, those those are going to be the conversations, not just at Fresno State, but at all schools. Particularly when you're talking about the Mountain West level, um, you know, if you're Alabama, they'll probably <laughs> work this rule as much as possible to have as many scholarship players as possible. Uh, but uh, with the budgets that we're talking, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine all of Alabama's seniors return for another season. <laughs> Yeah, and then a bunch of five-star recruits coming in behind them. I mean, I'm sure they'll <laughs> it'll be something like that over there. But in the Mountain West, the budgets aren't quite there. Um, there may be room for a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's just and some of them, it's not going to be, you know, you're not good enough, don't come back kind of thing. It would be the same conversations that would be going on normally. Where, I mean, Fresno State just last year had several players that. Um, we're kind of on the outskirts of playing time. They leave. There's guys that went to FCS schools that went to D2 schools and made the most out of the rest of their eligibility. So those kinds of things happen each year. It's just, it, it would be unfortunate if someone wants to, to come back and they're, they're not able to. And unfortunately it's probably going to happen to with programs all across the country. But um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be a balancing act and we'll see if, um, if there's any other factors that make things easier or more difficult to try to, to make that all happen. Yeah, what I'm finding right now is I, as I'm looking at the numbers of COVID and everything, I'm finding that the, the the central Midwest is the place to go if you want to go play football because of the COVID numbers are down now, considering that might probably be something to do with population. I don't know. <laughs> it, could have a, it could be a different factor uh, in that situation. But... This is, I mean, this is going to be interesting, like you said, uh, signing day next week. We, there's going to be a lot of question marks going on, and we'll we'll have that coverage as things progress on that front. Um, but uh, bowl games, again, that was, we've answered that. That's, right now, it doesn't look like the Bulldogs are going to have a bowl game this year, um, mostly in part because a lot of them are starting to cancel things. So it's not going to be an option to even have a bowl game this season um, if there is no bowl games. Um, although I find it very difficult to see uh, bowl games that would implicate, that would have a high implication on the national championship 
going away anytime soon. Uh, those guys are probably going to gut it out just to try and get those games in, but any of the lower-tier bowl games are probably just going to disappear altogether this season. And if that happens, the problem for next season could be that some of those bowl games may not return at all um, because we all know how thing, things work. Money talks, right, Jackson? So it could be, an, uh, could be a double-edged sword if some of these bowl games don't get played because they just may not come back at all next season. Yeah, and a lot of the reasoning for the cancellations is finances. A lot of the sponsors, you know, the money's not quite there as it normally would be. And then, of course, travel is, is the main concern. I mean, this is not the time for uh, Fresno State and, say, SMU or Rice like they had in the past, go play in Hawaii, spend a week going to luau's and things. <laughs> I mean, that's not it's not going to happen this year. So they, the writing was on the wall right away that, uh, bowl games in Hawaii and the Bahamas that we've become used to aren't going to happen. But now we are starting to see some of the more of the dominoes drop. I believe there's been 11 bowl games in total canceled. And, you know, we're so close to playing them that uh, I would, it would be surprising to see too many more of them not be played. But um, that, that is kind of the, the scenario we're at right now. And if the Mountain West did have their typical five to six bowl games, Fresno State would be right in there. Uh, to play one of them, but unfortunately, when you only have three, and Fresno State's about fourth or fifth team in the conference right now, uh, it's probably not looking good. Yeah, that's definitely going to be uh, very difficult to to swallow this season with no bowl games and very little bowl games, especially during the holidays when everyone is so used to watching them. Uh, actually start like around this time of the year, right, Jackson? It usually should be like bowl season already. It should it should start like any minute now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost. I mean, uh, one thing that always uh, stood out to me with Coach Tedford the past couple of years when the Bulldogs were in the conference championship, I mean, even those games were played around December 3rd. We'd be about a week removed from the championship already in a normal year. And those schedules, they were describing as being very hectic as far as recruiting goes, because usually the first two weeks of December, you're having in-home visits and you're having official visits. And the two teams that go to the conference championship <laughs> typically miss out on some of that. And now this year, you have all 12 Mountain West teams are playing. They're still playing. They'll be playing Saturday. So all the way into mid-December, uh, at least, if not farther, all these teams are still going. And um you can't even have in-home visits or official visits because of the NCAA's uh, emergency dead period for recruiting. There's no in-person contact. So all that stuff has kind of gone out the window, and it's going to make things uh, possibly unpredictable in the sense for signing day coming up. We've already seen some fireworks in the last week with Fresno State's class. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out on that end. Uh, it's been, I mean, this is different than anything we've ever seen as far as recruiting goes, being so intertwined with the football schedule leading up to signing day. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But uh, right now I'm going to kind of throw you a curveball, Jackson, because we're going to delve into some of this Mountain West news. Um, And you probably know where I'm going with this one already, but uh, this news happened within the last 24 hours. And that's um, because of head coach uh, Bryson Harrison of uh, Boise State. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with what is going on here. Uh, but he's calling for uh, Boise State officials to exit the Mountain West. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if coach has that kind of power. What do you think, Jackson? <laughs> what's going on there in the in the back end of this one? Yeah, I mean, Coach Harson has had enough uh, quotes and bulletin board material for Fresno State fans to not be too excited about that guy. <laughs> this is probably going to top them all, even though all the rest of the Mountain West team. Um, you know, it's kind of a unusual. I mean. These are private emails between him and the athletic director, but they're a publicly ran institution, and it's considered apparently um, you know, right to the public to access these emails. And so local press over in Idaho got a hold of it um, and publicized it. And you've got emails talking about back when the Mountain West was looking like they weren't going to play, Boise State was one of the teams that was very actively preparing for the season. Uh, calling for the conference to, or for Boise State to get out of the Mountain West. I mean, there's not a lot of alternative options. There's the American Conference, there's Independence, and that's probably about it for them. So, I mean, the options are limited, but he he went straight to the AD and said, uh, basically, uh, Mountain West isn't living up to their part of the deal on their end, and that Boise State is been a uh, risk-taking team and school and that they should do it again here um so uh, i mean that definitely ruffled some feathers and the circumstances have changed since august i mean obviously the mountain west is playing right now so maybe some of those things he doesn't feel as similarly about today but <laughs> clearly he has an issue and <laughs> now it's been made known to the entire public uh that uh, and then not only that he has those issues, but that Boise State uh, didn't act on him. <laughs> Maybe he's not the happiest coach over there right now and perhaps may not say, you know, you know, he's been very successful and will certainly have opportunities. So a lot of different layers to this one. It is a bizarre story to come out at this time of year. I have a feeling that IT guy got his, uh, got his job, you know, he, he, he got <laughs> fired on the IT guy over at Boise State by allowing their firewall to get invaded like that. <laughs> Uh, whether that was done uh, where it got leaked to the media or it was, uh, you know, done unintentionally, this is definitely news uh, that is really going to ruffle a lot of feathers, especially with a lot of the universities in the Mountain West. Um, You know, they already have a a little bit of of a bad taste for Boise State as far as the kind of deal they have with the Mountain West, which uh, to me, personally, I think is a little unfair compared to everyone else in the Mountain West and that there there should have been a time a time limit on, on their deal that they have with the Mountain West. Instead it's kinda if I'm if I'm not mistaken that they're they're pretty much their deal they have with the Mountain West is kinda locked in on, on revenue sharing, right, Jackson? Yeah, uh, the Mountain West tried to even it out this go around in their new deal with CBS and Fox, and uh, Boise State definitely <laughs> made it known that they had the right to their uh, extra uh, incentives, and that uh, that got changed pretty quickly after that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely been one that I mean, it may keep going <laughs> until the the conference and Boise State aren't affiliated anymore uh, if they have the right to it legally. Um, which isn't going to make, especially the next level Mountain West schools like Fresno State, like San Diego State, that feel that they're just in, is entitled to that kind of stuff and uh, are bulked in with the other schools that uh, haven't brought a lot to the table with football is, is uh, 
a hard one to follow. Well, I guess the only way to shut up Boise State is to actually start beating them um, and <laughs> and to to knock them down in order for things to change, especially uh, revenue sharing wise. Uh, you know, as long as they keep winning games and keep making the conference money, of course, they're going to back uh, bend over backwards to kind of get them the deal that they want. And uh, I think uh, am I wrong, Jackson? The only solution is, you know, if you don't like it, beat them. <laughs> <laughs> at this point there's really nothing else you can do but try and win the games against Boise State in order to uh, justify uh, an equal playing field as far as revenue sharing is concerned and, and as much as a lot of Fresno State fans would like to say you know get out of here good riddance <laughs> as far as Boise State having some of those feelings uh, they obviously bring a lot to the conference and it would be a, a definite hit to, to have them leave and, and to try to find a replacement. It would definitely be a, a drop off. And so, um, you know, Boise State brings a lot to the conference right now. And, and hopefully, <laughs> for Fresno State's sake, there'll be a time where that uh, swings a little bit. I mean, Fresno State has been uh, to as many Mountain West Conference Championship games, if not more than anyone else in the conference. But Boise State still kind of has that aura about them. And, um, Bulldogs just have to do what they can to take it. And they have a lot of Boise State coaches on their staff at Fresno State right now, so they know the recipe to make it happen. Let's just face it. If Boise State were to leave, the talks of the uh, Conference USA and Mountain West merger would begin all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and and then it would just become the WAC 2.0 once again. Uh, so I don't, I don't think anybody wants that to happen. Uh, although it has been thrown out there quite a few times in the past. Uh, if Boise were to leave, it would definitely hurt the whole conference as a whole, uh, whether, you know, regardless of how much more money they're making, uh, than everyone else, you kind of need Boise in this, uh, conference to make it work. Uh, but, in other uh, things around the Mountain West, we're kind of looking at the schedules now. And, of course, Jackson, the one that continues to baffle me, is San Jose State at 5-0. and um, And it's not something you or I are used to seeing. Uh, an undefeated San Jose State team. Uh, I mean, overall, their record is 5-0. and Boise State's the next team at 4-1 and overall record. So... Uh, and then you've, of course, you've got Nevada at six and one. They've played one more game than anybody else, or is yet yeah, over two more games than anybody else. That's interesting. Um, so, I don't know. Those are the top three teams right now in the division. San Diego State has an outside chance, uh, but I doubt it. I think the the top three are going to be San Jose, Boise State, and Nevada. So those are the three teams that are probably going to lock up any type of bowl games if they don't get canceled. Um, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, you you think that San Diego State has a chance to kind of put their foot in the door in this one, or is it kind of over and done with? Well, they are going to play BYU this weekend, which could be a resume booster for them. Um, I think it's more of that fourth place potential <laughs> game, though. If, uh, if Mountain West can get another team in to a bowl game, then that might be what, what that does for them this weekend. But, um, yeah, I think it's pretty clear cut. Even if Nevada loses to San Jose State and drops their second game and a little bit more on a even tier with Fresno State and San Diego State, the, the Wolfpack did beat both of those schools. So uh, I think they've already separated themselves. And San Jose State, I mean, they've I think they've pretty much proven themselves to be legitimate. They 
were out two weeks like the Bulldogs, and they jumped on Hawaii with a 21-0 lead in about eight minutes to play last weekend. I mean, they are, are rolling, and they haven't been slowed down uh, at all. So um, I, I've been more impressed by San Jose State than Nevada. I definitely like the Spartans to win that game against the Wolfpack and advance to the conference championship, which will be a, a very new look to see San Jose <laughs> State in that game if that is indeed the case. San Jose State uh, versus Boise State. Now, who would have the uh, rights to the home game? <laughs> yeah, uh, it looks like both teams are going to be undefeated, so it will get a little complicated. Um, is San Jose State going to get that game because they've played one more game than Boise? Uh, that would not play in. And the other thing is that San Jose State cannot come back to San Jose um, if, until the season's over. So if they do get the home game, it would probably be played in Las Vegas. So it'd probably be a um, neutral site for for the. I, I you know they might as well just make it a neutral site every time. I don't know for uh, for the conference championship. But yeah, I mean this year definitely is going to be unusual. Um, yeah, I mean it's been interesting with the attendance on my end. Just uh, I got a chance to go out to those two games in Boise, and even Boise State for all they're known for not selling out their home stadiums for big games like that. I have a hard time. I mean, Vegas is probably the only solution if you're going to go neutral because they, I mean, everyone's going to travel pretty well to Vegas to watch that game <laughs> and they can play it in Allegiant stadium. That might be a, a cool deal, but otherwise um, I, I do like the home setup, even though it's been controversial a couple of times and, and this year might be one of them. Yeah, they can't seem to ever get that right anyway. So <laughs> might as well just play it in Las Vegas every single year. Um, I, you know, I think you and I can both agree that uh, the chance of that being a home game for UNLV is very slim <laughs> of that happening anytime soon. Uh, I mean, they could surprise me moving into the future, but uh, they have never even competed in order to host a, a national or not a national but a conference championship so moving it to las vegas would kind of make sense um and just have everyone just you know p- participate there and have some fun in vegas and uh, lose some of their money while they're there um <laughs> <laughs> but that being said jackson we're we're in the final stages of the podcast any other additional news you want to share with the, the fans out there while while you have a chance yeah, again, we're in the final week to signing day, and Fresno State picked up a, a kind of a surprising commit in this stage, uh, Jalen Williams. Um, you know, Jordan Hornbeek was the big headline recruit for Fresno State, but Williams actually is now Fresno State's top-ranked recruit, and he's obviously not as well-known uh, to Fresno State fans coming from Lancaster rather than right in Fresno State's own backyard like Hornbeek, but uh, yeah, right now Williams is number one in the class. He is uh, a top 20 all-time recruit in the 24-7 sports database for Fresno State. Uh, he is a cornerback from uh, Paraclete High School who plays some pretty top-notch competition down there in Southern California. And as a cornerback, he's seen a lot of impressive receivers and quarterbacks. He's even played against Fresno State's quarterback commit, uh, Jalen Henderson, who is Fresno State's number three commit. Um, so Williams, uh, and then it is also interesting, despite his uh, high rating by the recruiting services, specifically 24-7 sports, uh, he didn't have a whole lot of offers. Um, he did have Vanderbilt, but other than that, it was Army, Navy, and Southern Utah. And close down here down the stretch, uh, Fresno State and Boise State both came in with an offer, and he picked the Bulldogs. 
Uh, so the Fresno State is going to be happy to, to get him and to, to the team next year. And right now he is the headliner of the class. So we have that full interview on the, the VIP side of the bark board. And uh, right now, all the way to signing day, we're going to offer 60% off for any new members who want to be subscribers. I mean, it's uh, a huge <laughs> discount off the price. Um, and that also gets you all the way to next December of 2021. So you'll have VIP all the way through the, the following season as well. Um, so if you haven't taken advantage of our uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday deals, uh, definitely hop on that one. It's only $3.58 a month uh, for a year. And that's about as big of a discount as we ever offer. <laughs> so, um, And then there's definitely time for some crazy stuff to happen with recruiting. We've got everything covered as far as who's left on President State's board and what may play out here in the next week. So uh, now is usually the time, even though this is the year where more recruits are, are committed early. Uh, this is still typically the time where all the crazy last-minute stuff happens with recruiting, and we typically have it first on the VIP board before anyone else. Or sometimes some of those things never get out, um, but uh, definitely an exciting time on the insider board, and uh, that'll keep going um, for all the, all this week up until December 16th, uh, when signing day takes place. Now, I know everybody out there uh, is under the impression that Jackson is never surprised, but it, it does happen every so often uh, as far as recruiting is concerned. Uh, I think last year, maybe one or two snuck in that neither one of us had any clue was going to happen. Um, so it does happen, and we were going to have full coverage of the signing day for next week. So make sure you tune in for the podcast next week as we as we unveil what happened on a recruiting day and uh, we'll make sure to follow as much as possible next week. And uh, Jackson and, and I will be kind of combing the boards to see if we can find um, any of the signings and, and things will get posted through our Twitter pages and, and things like that. So keep an eye on uh, the bark board as we continue to, uh, to kind of break the news on all of the new signings for this upcoming season. So that being said, uh, you can find Jackson at Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, if you're not a part of it yet, go over to our Facebook page and join that. Or just look for the uh, BarkBoard.com and join the uh, Facebook page. And as always, you can always find us on the boards at TheBarkBoard.com, where all the latest news gets uh, all the latest news breaks there usually before the any other media outlet. So uh, make sure you uh, check that out uh, when you get a chance. So that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.